Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a pleasure to have you on this platform again, although it's been a while. But I felt this evening once again we should speak on this platform. And for some times now, the Lord had been showing all some things from His Word. And my emphasis has been on the fact that God is not a mystery that He has been revealed. And the fact that the good you can do yourself is to find out the character of God, who God is, how He does things, how He deals with man, how He had dealt in the past, and what is liable to do and what makes him to act certain ways. You know, some people have the opinion that God acts the way he likes. He victimizes whoever he likes. He only makes a decision rashly. He can decide to destroy a particular city, and nobody can actually influence his decision. Well, those perceptions are devilish. They are not God. Uh, But then... We've got to know that we are saying this not because we are trying to speak in favor of God, but we are trying to speak from what God had made known of himself. In Romans chapter 1, verse 21, Apostle Paul said that uh, the invincible attributes of God are clearly seen. They are understood from the things that are made, and therefore the ungodly men, the unrighteous men are without excuse. So that a man, in the name of not knowing what God wants for him, go wayward and ignores God, ignores his conscience, ignores the natural law or the society in which he, he was birthed, will not be justified of his erroneous and rebellious life because God is clearly proclaimed. He had not hidden from us what he wants. That even you as an unbeliever, you've not submitted your life to Christ, you know those things that are actually expected of you, even by natural laws. So, the attributes of God are clearly seen. You can't deny you don't know him. Because he had not veiled himself. Your conscience tells you what you ought to do sometimes because God had given you a conscience that would even put you right. Even if all the things you are surrounded with are not plain and honest with you as to matter of what you ought to know. So the fact is that nobody can actually come to claim ignorance of God. However, we must come to believe the fact that your conscience is not sufficient enough to reveal who God is and what He expects from you to you. The only means God has provided to be known is through the gospel. The reason why Christ came to die is to present the Father to us so that we know the claim of God from us, what God requires from us, I actually wants us to coordinate our lives so we can live rightly. And why are we living rightly? We are living rightly not because we would need 
to pose to be good persons or to pose to be uh, morally balanced than uh, the people around us. But the fact that God himself wants us to be exactly the way he had made us to be. Now, the fact is that the state of a natural man was not the state God intended for the natural man. Man had fallen the rank God had made him. In order to restore him back to the rank, he needs the gospel. He needs to believe in the offering of Christ. Now, what is about the rank man fell from? The rank man fell from is the class of God. Is the class God originally made him to live in. It's uh, the class that man actually functions like God exactly. So when man falls from that rank, he can no longer live as he ought to live. So for him to be able to live as he ought to live, God made it with through the death of Christ. So it is in the gospel that we learn what God requires of us. But then the emphasis remains that God has been revealed. But then we must know why God was revealed. So what has the revelation of God to do with our life? What is the relevance of God revealing himself to us? Since I have claimed that God had been revealed. How does that affect your life or how should that influence your life? That should influence your life in that it should help you to better your relationship with God. It should help you to be able to walk tall, walk bold into God's presence without any feeling of being disqualified without any feeling of insecurity you have got to be able to walk into the presence of god with a confidence that you are accepted that you have not broken any of his laws so the essence of the divine revelation or the essence of god revealing his character is to make us to know how he has positioned us to live one in is to make us to know how he sees us in himself. Two and number three is to make us to actually live as he originally intended to live. So the death of Christ is a reprogramming course sponsored by God, sponsored by his grace, sponsored by his love sponsored by his affection that is god is reconciling us back to himself restating man restalling and and restoring man to the which man had fall off so i maintain that the reason why god is making himself known to us and is teaching us the need to know him is that is so that we can better relate to them in our journey in life. So thus, the knowledge of God influences our life in any way. Yes, it does. The fact is that the more of God you know and understand, the better you can relate with God and the better you can influence the world for God the better you can actually bring men 
into reconciliation to God. It is better you can help to align to the position people who are straight out of God, back to God, and better reposition them in the light of God what expect. And that is what we call discipleship in the gospel. There is no discipleship until you have found God yourself. The God you have not discovered, you cannot bring other people to discover. And you see, God is not discovered on the instant. That is why there is no institution in the world where God is taught. Actually, we have seminaries where theology is taught or divinity is taught. But those are conceptual study of God. But in order to enter the experiential relationship with God, you need God far beyond books. You need God by revelation because God is a spirit. So when you are better positioned, when you better find your place in Christ, when you come to embrace what God had packaged for us in Christ, there is something it does for you. It rightly positions you in God and brings you to the place where you can influence others for God. Now I will read from Second Corinthians chapter 5 to prove this and I will read from NLT version. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Let's read from 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we appeal, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the sin offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when God was making Christ the offering of sin, he made Christ the offering of sin so that by that we can be brought closer to God. That by that we can see the love of God. We can see God's intention. That our wrong and inaccurate conception of God. That God is angry with us. That God is mad with us. Could be done away with. So we can come to the point that we can relate with him as a father. And relate to him as we ought to relate. So God had given us the assignment to reconcile. In other words, to bring people back to himself. Now, why did they bring it back? Because there had been separation from God and man. What led to that separation? Rebellion. The sin of one man led to the rebellion of the whole human race. And then because the whole human race have been separated from God, they are far away from God. They cannot see who God is. They cannot perceive God. They do not, they do not actually know what God God expects them to live like. So God knows the only way he can mediate is to bring the man back to himself. And he brought you back to himself so that you can rightly live. That was what Apostle Paul meant when he said that it is in the gospel. The act of the father is sin. Now how is the act of the father sin in the gospel? If God, despite your rebellion, could make the sacrifice, could make the effort, could initiate a way of reconciliation, it shows the father God is all loving. 
that God does not see you the way you see yourself, that God is not actually glad with the guilt, with the pain, with the regret, with the shame you bore, that those things that are repelling you and making you to isolate or withdraw from God are the things God really wants to take out of you so that you can see that He he, 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 he sees you differently so that he, you, you, you can realize the fact that you count before him so that you can realize the fact that you matter, you count to him and he cares for you. So, the more of God you know, the better. The more of God in your life, the better. Why? Because the better you know him, the better you can represent him and the better you can present him to others. The fact is that no one can command any level of influence or any level of exploit above his knowledge of God. That is, whatever a man's understanding of God becomes his basis of relationship with God. He informs what he believes, what he sees, how he relates, and how he sees situations around him. For instance, if a man actually believes the fact that God is a jealous God and God is jealous of him and that God has sees him as the apple of his eyes, such a person knows that God can do everything to protect him and he does do everything to ensure that he's safe. So when he sees a sickness in his body, on the body of his child, or a sickness in the life of a friend that is a child of God to, such a person becomes mad at the devil because he knows that that sickness cannot be from God. Such a person will not see a disease or will not see a loss or a, a, a desolation. A, a, a desolation, I will want to attribute or console himself that that desolation is put there by God or that God understands the reason why he allows that. He knows by his knowledge of God that God does not afflict his own. So the knowledge of God we have per time affects and influences how we relate with him and how we help others to see him. So no one can command any level of influence or exploit above his knowledge of God. Now, I am not trying to brag of this knowledge of God. We are not trying to actually pursue the knowledge of God or to, to know God better in order to brag of Him, in order to be critics or in order to criticize others and condemn what God uh, would not accept from others. No, we have come to talk about the knowledge of God and we emphasize the need for God's knowledge so that we can better relate with them and we can bring other people into the reality we enter. So, by our knowledge of God, we seek to inflate our environment. We seek to accomplish things by that knowledge. We are looking out for those things we can accomplish, we can put into control, we can influence by God's knowledge. In Genesis chapter 2, we see that, actually chapter 1 first, um, verse 26, we see that when God created Adam, he gave him dominion over all the things he has created. He wants him to influence. So, Adam was brought into place because he is to represent God. 
and is to represent God based on what he had known of God. God revealed to him what he wants him to do. So our knowledge of God makes us to dominate. It is the basis of our dominion. It is our influence upon and in the world we find ourselves. So a man who does not understand God cannot actually dominate the world around him. So God himself told us that a man's brag should be in knowing him. In Jeremiah chapter 9 we read from God's word that whoever will take a brag should brag that he knows and understandeth him. And God himself went on to tell us what we had to know of him. We had to brag of two things. Number one, there is one thing more, which is that we have got to understand him besides knowing him. So beyond knowing God or bragging that we have not God, we have come we have, we've, we've got to come to the place where we understand God. I wanted to see something from that scriptures I referenced in Jeremiah chapter 9. God said, let him who brag, brag in this, that he knows and understands me. And there are two expectations from this scripture. Number one, that one, God wants us to know him. But that is not all that God expects from us. There is more. Secondly, God wants us to understand him. To understand is to see the implication of our knowledge of God. Why do we need to know God? For us to be able to apply the things we have seen of him, the things we have known of him, and through those things, we should be able to put into control everything around us. That through those knowledge, we should be able to dominate, we should be able to influence, we should be able to put in control things around us. That finances, that the economic problem, the family problem, the parenting problem, that uh, um, uh, the commitment at work will not actually take us from the presence of God, will not strike us off balance, rather by our knowledge of God, we'll be able to appropriate things rightly, that by the grace of God and by his knowledge, we will be able to pull things appropriately. So God said, let him that brags, bragging legs. That he knows and understands me. That is, to understand means to know the implication of a thing. That is, God did not only reveal himself to us, he wants us to put the knowledge we have got in him to work. Because to understand means to know how a system works. Is to find a means, is to find a channel or a way by which to utilize a thing. In other words, is to seek out for a way to apply it in. So, to know and understand God are two different things. To know is to look out for what may be known of God. And haven't seen and haven't acquired by experience and by revelation those things that ought to be known of God. We have got to apply those things. Those things are to make our life better such that we live what we see. 
God. Now, it is necessary, I say here before I continue that, knowing God is not a thing of the intellect. It's not a thing of the instinct. We have got to know Christ first. In Matthew chapter 11, Christ said, nobody knows the Father except me, and nobody knows me except the Father, and to whom the Father will reveal it. What does that tell us? That God, although is revealed, you cannot know him by your own free will. Humanly speaking, we don't desire God. Romans chapter 3, for a man to know God, there must be a revelation of God. That was why Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesians Christian in Ephesians chapter and verse 17. That the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ may give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. That is, in their quirks to knowing God, or as, as, or as, as they have come to know God, they should come to the point where they know that and where they come to grasp God, not by what somebody has taught them, not by what they think, not by what they have seen in nature, but by the revelation of God, which means by the help of the Holy Ghost. In other words, God is revealed. It's not a doll on the table you pick and you examine and you begin to analyze. No. He is a God that is bigger than the extent of a man. He's the absolute one. He's the infinite one. He's the only thing there is. So in order to grasp him, we have got to see him far beyond what our mind can grasp. The widest imagination of man cannot grasp God because God does not live in the sense frame. He lives in the spirit. So for us to understand God, we have got to have the spirit of revelation and the spirit of wisdom. The spirit of wisdom in the sense that this wisdom helps us to put into practice that which we have known by the spirit of revelation. So that scriptures we saw in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17 is not in any way different from the one we saw in, near, in Jeremiah chapter 9. We are going to do a contrasting study of those two scriptures. But before then let me say this. God want us to know how he works and he want us to put what we know of him into practice and that's why i kept saying that god is not mysterious and i've said this and i'm saying this and i'm repeating it again because god had made himself known to us by revealing his characters, his traits, his nature in scriptures for us. And secondly, God is not mysterious in that he gave us the opportunity to try him out, to put him and bring him into practice. That is, the knowledge of God we have tapped is not theoretical, it is practical. He wants us to put to work what we have known of him. So God's knowledge are not the knowledge of books. They are not the knowledge of concepts. They are not just explaining concepts. We are explaining God in concepts so that this concept could be our reality. And as a matter of fact, these things you are pursuing, we call the knowledge of God, pay off. And they pay off in the face of opposition. When you come face to face with the challenges of life, with the issues of your life, your, 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 your knowledge of God influences your decision in the face of those fearsome challenges, those terrific riddles, those confusing oppositions and threats that surround you. So what makes you trust God to come to your aid when you are desperately in need of him is what you have known of him perhaps experientially in your work with him or what you have seen from him as you study his word. 
So how you relate in the face of opposition has greatly to do with what you have known of God. So the reason why you are not afraid of certain oppositions or criticism or challenges in your life, maybe health-wise, maybe financial-wise, maybe marital-wise, is because of what you have learned that God is capable of doing. Now, for instance, what makes a guy trust God for his rescue when the doctors are told him that they are helpless and they cannot help him out? What do you think helps him to trust God, to come to his aid, to trust God, to come and heal him, but what he had known to be the healing power of God. So why are you giving to treat your haters calmly, to be patient with them, to love them despite their hearts, because of what you have known of God, that God is love. Why are you bent on justice despite the negative, the negative and perversion around you? Because of the knowledge of God you have tapped. So, the knowledge of God we have at a particular time affects our decisions. The reason why I don't cheat, even though others around me cheat and they have even cheated me, are fallen victim of their cheats, is because I have known that the God I deal with does not relate with people based on their character. Rather, it relates to them based on ways. So when I relate with people, despite their unfaithfulness or lack of sincerity to me, despite their bitterness, their suspicion, their hatred, their selfishness um, to me, it's because of who I have known my father to become. I am of my father. And because I am begotten of him, I allow this trait to dominate how I react and how I treat others. Now, I say this last. Without Christ, there is no substance or reality to our knowledge of God. What gives meanings and Effect to the knowledge of God we have tapped is Christ because Christ is the substance of our offense. Now, Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. You want to see verse 1? Hebrews 11 one reads. I'm reading from the NLT version. Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. That is, it is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ that brings into reality that which you have known of God. So you may even know certain things of God that God is nice, God is faithful, God is loving, but except you come to know Christ, you cannot bring those things into practice. So our knowledge of Christ gives us or empowers us to bring into reality that which we have known of God. And that which you have known of God is consistent with God. It cannot change. And the reason why we have come to know this is to help us to better our relationship with Him. That comes me, we know that God cannot reject us, God cannot neglect us, God cannot abandon us. Hallelujah. So this is what I have for you today. 
Let's see that Jeremiah chapter 9 is a Randolph. Jeremiah chapter 9. I'm going to read from NLT still. Jeremiah chapter 9. What should we know about God? Jeremiah tells us. We go to read from verse. From verse 22. Okay, let's read from verse 23. This is what the Lord says. Don't let the wise boast in their wisdom. Or the powerful boast in their power. Or the rich boast in their riches. But those who wish to boast should boast in this alone. That they truly know me and understand that I am the Lord who demonstrates unfailing love and who brings justice and righteousness to the earth and that I delight in these things. I, the Lord, had spoken. Now, this is God revealing who he is. He said, whoever wants to make a brag, he should not make a brag based on a social status. It shows your standings, his earnings, what he had acquired, his property, his circle of influence, the power he had acquired, the money he had, the successes he had attained, the accomplishments he had gotten over years, the awards and accolades he had won. He said a man's boost must be in this that he knows me and understand that I am the Lord that demonstrate unfailing love. That is, if there's anything God wants to know about you, about him, he wants us to know the fact that his love for us is unfailing. His love for us is unconditional. It is affected by nothing. So God demonstrates unfailing love. That your, your way of life, your manner of life cannot stop God to keep coming after you. To keep chasing after you. To keep seeking your own interest. And again, he makes known to us that he is the one that brings about justice and righteousness. To the health. Now, I want to substitute that word righteousness in that scripture to be restoration. That is the one that has the capacity to bring things back to the state in which they ought to be. That is, when there is confusion, when there is problem, when you come to a situation in your life that you don't know where to turn to, who to ask for help, then you can't be sure that there is a help for you in God. Now, if there's anything you have lost in your life, maybe your home is broken, maybe your children are shattered, maybe your business are scattered, 
you got to know something that God loves you and he has the capability to restore you. So that is one thing you have got to know. That whatever state of perfect peace you desire, whatever state of justice you desire, that you want a state where there is harmony, there is peace, there is no chaos, there is no fear, there is no terrorism, there is no threat of any kinds. He said the only but the only person such is found with and which have the capability of causing that situation to prevail and to be the prevailing circumstance is God. So when you see somebody suffering, you can't attribute that pain to God. God does not inflict anyone. Now you see somebody or you see something pulsating like you like hatred. You just have this hatred, this rancor, this resentment to your what your your friends. You know that resentment is not God's, it is you. That bitterness is you, that malice is you. Because there is something about God, He has this unfailing love. Unfailing the sense that there are things that should cause the love to be weary. There are things that dis discourage you from expressing the love. Just as there are things in our life that should make God to stop loving us, but nothing prevails the love of God. The love of God prevails our situation. So when we know God and we see who he is and we see that we are actually begotten of him, we walk in love in the face of the fearless opposition we may come across or we may come to live with or we may come to be confronted with. So God says, I am the one that demonstrates unfailing love. So when you begin to love those who hate you, you should know that that trait is not a trait that is human. It is a divine trait that had been allowed to flow out of you because you have come to give yourself to God. He said, I am the one who demonstrates unfailing love and brings justice and righteousness to the earth. And that I delight in these. I, the Lord, have spoken. Now, I want to draw your attention to something here before I show you another scriptures. Now, here you see that God spoke of two things. So let him know this that he knows and understand now the word understanding there means to know what it means to bring into practice that which you have acquired of god okay it's just like a child that is been taught mathematics after teaching the child the child knows what you have taught him from your explanation but to text whether the child actually comprehend what you have taught him, which he claims he knows. He had got to put that in practice by, and the way he does that is by solving the exercises the teacher had given to him. So the knowledge of God we have does not make us to escape challenges, but it brings God alongside with us in that challenge such that in the opposition and the challenges, you know how we need to live rightly because of what we have known and what we have learned of God. That was what the Hebrew guys knew when they were not threatened by the fiery furnace. They have known that God can deliver and because they have known him to be a deliverer they have known him to be the savior they careless of the threat of nebuchadnezzar 
Daniel knew God too well that the lion's den and the threats of the kings and the criticism of his friend would not stop his interaction with God because he knows that there is an ability and that ability made him not to be scared of the lions and even if you are to be scared of him there is no way he can escape them so the knowledge of God we have for time affects how we go about life affects our optimism affects how we respond to chaos affects how we respond to losses affects how we respond to pains there are people when something happens to them maybe a loss they lost something and then that is what they've been laboring for and then the expectation over that thing have been very high and just suddenly the expectation become that they become so pained on the inside that they begin to isolate themselves they begin to express hatred. They begin to be irascible. They begin to, to, to be harsh and intolerant. And they begin to transfer aggression because of the pains they are going through. You have no land God. God said, if you know and understand me, you will see that I am the one who I demonstrate. Not I have. I demonstrate because that is me. I demonstrate unfailing love that nothing affects who I am. This love of me, this nature of me, nothing overcomes it. It is unfailing. It is influenced by nothing. Now, if you know that, and now you want to put that to practice in the face of opposition, when people hate you, when people criticize you, when people don't want you, when people mock you, you don't have allowed their reactions to you to influence how you relate to them rather you allow what you have known of God to affect and influence how you deal with them little wonder, Daniel wrote that those who know their God will be strong and they will do exploit. now let's see that scripture before we see the one I want to see in Ephesians chapter 1 I think that should be Daniel chapter 11, 32. I'm not so sure. It's not 11. Jack Daniel 10. There is a part of that scriptures I wanted to see. There's a part of that scripture I want to see. Hallelujah. Those who know their God shall be strong and do exploit. Okay, before we see that scripture, let's go to Ephesians. And we come there to, to, to look at our scriptures. Let's see Ephesians. Chapter 1 verse 17. I'm going to read from NLT still. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. Hallelujah. Case Daniel chapter 11, 32. I said it before, but I don't know why it's not coming up. Okay, now let's see Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. Asking God the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of Him. 
I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Now let's go back to that chapter 17. Asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom. Spiritual wisdom. That is, to give you the practical experience of putting into work you have known of him to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you may grow in your knowledge. How do you grow in your knowledge? You grow by wisdom. Now, you have got the knowledge. You have known God. But now you want to grow in the knowledge. And the way to grow in the knowledge is to have spiritual wisdom. To see how those things you have learned of God work out. That was why we, that is what Jeremiah chapter 9 verse 21 meant when it says that, that you know and understand. To understand is to have wisdom, to bring into practice. Just like that student will be giving exercises to actually demonstrate that he had understood what the teacher had taught him. So what I claimed I have known God, that is not just a statement by mouth. It is a statement I have to demonstrate in the face of opposition. How do you react when there is no finance? How do you react when the doctor tells you they can't help you again? How do you react when the doctor tells you you have a terminal disease and, and uh, you've got to go home and die? How do you react when there is no employment and your boss sack you? How do you react when that thing you have held so dear to yourself and you have esteemed so much slip out of your hands unexpectedly? Now, how you react to certain issues of life is influenced by our knowledge of God. Now, look at what that scripture says. Daniel chapter 11 verse 32. And such as do wickedly, I'm reading from KGV, against the covenant shall he corrupt by flatteries as the Antichrist. This is Daniel's prophecy. But in that flattery, but the people that do know their God shall be strong. And they shall do exploits. Now, I want you to pay attention to those who know. Now, what is the effect of the knowledge? The effect of the knowledge is that it strengthens you and it makes you to do. So, it is an inner strength. It is an advantage to you. Now, let me read that from NLT. Daniel chapter 11. Chapter 11, verse 32. He will flatter and win those who have violated the covenant, but the people who know their God will be strong and they will resist him. So, there is a resisting force in our knowledge of God that which you have been struggling to do, 
in your own efforts over the years, when you enter certain spiritual experiences, when God by His grace opens certain doors, that you are able by His grace to attain certain levels in the in, 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 in the realm of the spirit, you will be able to resist certain things. Hallelujah. Now the last scriptures which I see then we will pray. It's Deuteronomy chapter 10. Deuteronomy chapter 10. Chapter 10. We're going to read from verse 12 through 15. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? It requires only that you fear the Lord your God and live in a way that pleases Him and love Him and serve Him with all your heart and soul. That's your responsibility as a Christian. And you must always obey the Lord's command and decrees that, I'm, that I am giving you today for your own good. Now the substance of all this commandment is Christ. You have come to know, you, you, you must come to know Christ. You want to put the knowledge of God into use. Look, the highest heavens and the earth and everything in it belong to the Lord your God. Yet the Lord chose your ancestors as the object of his love. I am the object of God's love. I am the benefactor of God's love. God's love is targeted towards me. And he chose you, their descendant above all other nations, as is evident today. I am chosen above all men. Therefore, change your earth and stop being stubborn. For the Lord your God is the God of all gods and the Lord of all lords, and He is great God, the mighty and awesome God, who shows no partiality and cannot be bribed. He ensures that orphans and widows receive justice. He shows love for the foreigner. He shows love to the foreigners living among you and give them food and clothing. So you too, you must show love to foreigners, for you yourself. We are once foreigners in the land of Egypt. Uh, verse 20. You must fear the Lord your God and worship Him and cling to Him. Your oath must be, His oath must be in your mouth alone. He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of your praise, the one who has done this mighty miracle that you have seen in your own eyes. Now, the fact is that God wants you to reflect what you have known of Him. He wants you to demonstrate what you have none of it. That is the essence of God's love. That is the essence of God's knowledge. We don't have this knowledge to puff up. We have this knowledge to influence others and to help us properly coordinate our life in the face of oppositions because we have them. In the place, in the place of challenges because we have them. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're going to pray and say, Father, reveal yourself to me more. Than ever before, I want to know you. More than ever before, I want to see you. Cause me to know you. Cause me to see you. Open my eyes of understanding. I want to improve my knowledge of you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Help me, Father, to grow more into you. Help me, Lord, to grow more into you. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus, that my reality in you will be expressed, we find expression in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Now let's see these last scriptures as a round off.
I'm going to read from the New King James Version. Hebrews chapter 11. I quoted it, but I want to lay an emphasis on something very important. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is the reality of all things. If there's anything you have been battling with, if there's anything you have been struggling to get done, but you don't actually have the capacity to bring through, maybe there is a character or an habit or an addiction or a challenge in your life you have been trying to live above. There is something that gives substance to that thing. That gives you the ability to come into the reality of that which you want to accomplish. Faith in the Lord Jesus is your substance. That is your faith in Christ. Your trust for Christ became and gives reality to everything you long to have. So you no longer need to beat around, beat, beat around the bush. You no longer need to be bothered. To get things done your own effort. You have God's strength at your disposal. You have God's energy to yourself. You can leverage on God's strength. You can leverage on God's love. You can leverage on God's omnipotence. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the substance of the things you are open for. Are there things you are open to do in your life? Are there things you are open to accomplish? Once you have come to know Christ, it is by Christ those things will find expression. Our reality is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The which men of old had aspired and labor for the which men outside the fold who have not come to Christ are laboring and dying to get you can get on the platter of gold and that is on the platter of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ faith is a substance a substance is a reality a substance is an originality a substance is the materiality of a thing brings something into reality gives form and expression to something so the way by which you can substantiate your struggle you can substantiate that which you are laboring to get that which you have been struggling to get and you have not been able to bring to reality is your faith in the lord jesus christ it is your time why can't you say, lord jesus show me yourself more than ever before i've been struggling to know you i've been struggling to live rightly by trying to do it in my own effort, by trying to be so religious, I have been attending church activities, I have been running after pastors and preachers, I have been admirers of men, but I have not followed you. Now today I have learned that you are the substance. Christ, I come to you. Give expression to my life. Give expression to my life. Let your glory, let your love, let your power, let your omnipotence, let your jealousy find expression in my life. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Father, thank you for this time. We just have a limited time, but we know you are faithful. Thank you for that which you have shown us. Thank you because our knowledge of you increases. And by this knowledge, we win the battle of life. By this knowledge, we put the devil on his heel. We shame the devil and his cohorts in the name of Jesus. By this knowledge, we wage war over sin, over Satan, over lustful desires, over 
criticism and oppositions over every unfriendly element that surrounds us and we win because of your name. Thank you because of giving us your name. Thank you for revealing yourself to us so that our relationship with you can be smoother than ever before. Thank you because you are reconciled. Thank you because you are our Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah.